0: So what we need to do is uh, a Muppet episode of <laughs> of the podcast with that song playing and us trying to go in time with it because it's like four four three four, four 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 three four three four 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 and you always end up on the wrong beat. So I think watching Muppets do that, I think it would be really fun.
1: <laughs> or just getting going.
0: <laughs> the beer is wearing off. Yeah.
1: Hey, Prog fans. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Prague Podcast Project. My name is Tony, and I am joined, as always, by Craig and Lee. We are three friends and Prog aficionados here to talk about the history and the craft of progressive music while sprinkling in our always unvarnished opinions of the music and personalities that make this genre so great. As always, a reminder that you can find us on Twitter, at UP3Show, or contact us via email at up3show at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, link button. Just do that to make sure that you never miss an episode, and we get pumped up to the top of the recommendations so every other prog fan out there can hear about our show as well.
2: We're going to pump you up. Mash that like and share.
1: So uh, we're here to talk about some Gentle Giant tonight, but how are you guys doing before we get into that?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great surviving the pandemic uh taking a couple of weeks off listening to a lot of music playing a lot of music yeah and uh that's that's pretty much it you know summer's yeah. uh not quite winding down a lot of far a lot of uh forest fires kind of smells kind of oaky outside kind of smoky
1: like a good whiskey like a good it
0: smells
2: kind of peaty yes yep i made an old-fashioned the other night i'm gonna Something make else? one tonight thinking about you guys yeah doing well i'm um also kind of fighting the fires with you know, getting out and exercising and breathing and stuff. But things are really good, writing music, listening to some new music, and just having a great time. How about you, Tony?
1: Yeah, I've been actually diving into the production side of some stuff. We've been uh, texting a little bit about some of the settings that we wanted to use here on this show, and um, that has given me some jumping off points because I do vo work and stuff like that um amateur vo work in general but i've been doing some vo work for the work we do like my professional life and trying to learn some of those skills of like really what does a noise gate really mean and how does it work and and how can i use a fur filter and stuff like that like tony what do you use a fur filter for in audio so it's a trick i recently learned um so normally you uh-huh you can use a fur filter, like a well-trained fur filter to get rid of like background clicks and stuff like that without using a noise gate. Like, I, And that's one of the things that I'm really learning is like there are places where you actually want to use a noise gate and say like basically chop everything this frequency and below or this frequency and higher. But sometimes, especially if you've got a, a noisy environment or an echoey environment, the noise gate isn't actually, the noise gate can actually make things worse. So sometimes you want to basically take a sample and train the fur filter with it. And basically, it's a sample of whatever the ambient you're in your room is. And so the example in the tutorial that I was reading says, like, if you've got like a background hum of a window air conditioner or something like that, that you just can't get rid of, record the room silent. So you pick up that ambient with the air conditioner. And then use that to train the fur filter so that it'll pull that out of the audio. And that would actually work better for silencing the audio than just using a noise gate.
2: No shit. I equalized my room using a fur filter. I did the same thing. Set up a a mic that I know the frequency response to. And then run a fur filter to see what the way the room is affecting the mix. And then you can correct for it with the speakers. So get a flatter mix
1: the audience is going to hear me complain a lot about fucking mixes because there's a lot of <laughs> really great records that I think are ruined by the mix.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Like a couple of Collegios horse records come to mind, actually. And I want to know what the hell I'm talking about. And if I want to say, like, this is what's wrong with the mix. They did this to the vocals, and it, they did this with the guitars. So
0: you want to be able to complain about something but have some depth and backing intelligence, you know, that's about the most un-American thing I've ever heard anybody say.
1: (laughs) So So, any prog news that you guys want to talk about as we go into this episode that people need to know about?
2: So there are some interesting things going on in Europe in the COVID era. Uh, So two shows have been announced that they're going to do online uh, that are festivals. There's the Arc Tangent Festival. That's going to be three days online. And the UK Tech Festival has been announced. It's going to be two days online. It's not really, it's it's a little more metal for me, heavy metal than prog metal. So not a lot of bands I'm interested in, but I'm kind of looking for one to attend virtually and see what they're like. Waiting for the right one to come along.
1: Yeah, that makes me think, as you said that, I wanted to see one of my favorite festivals that I've always wanted to get to in Germany is Wacken Open Air. And it's definitely a metal show. It's three days in the mud. Yeah, it looks like they've totally canceled for 2020 and no thing virtual, Um, but it'll be interesting what they end up doing for calendar year 21. Um,
2: Yep. Yep. A lot of bands are announcing 2021 tours.
1: Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out in terms of the bands that we listen to typically don't fill big venues. Like we're located in Denver and we have some really great venues, but they're not big venues. Right. It, it's kind, it feels kind of like the perfect size for prog bands to me. And with some of these bigger groups needing to scale down, like, I don't know, just thinking like a U2 or a Metallica or something, if they scale down, are they going to end up in some of these smaller venues? And does that mean that there's less room for prog bands?
2: Interesting. That's an interesting question. You're right. There is a new, there's a new book out by Chick Korea called A Work in Progress on Being a Musician. Nice. And I watched him flipping through it. On uh, He did a little video, and he was showing different chapters. And he actually has chapters on like how to practice and oh, no shit. You know, how to improvise and stuff. So I am definitely getting it because um, it sounds more like a discipline book than it does like a memoir. Cool. And the last thing I know is the news that Damian Wilson has joined Arena.
1: Oh, I saw that. Yeah.
2: Yep. And I am really psyched about that, because as much as I like Arena with John Mitchell and the rest of the guys, Damian Wilson adds a whole voice that I'm, I love him from Threshold. So I think this will be great. Yeah. So, so what's Damian Wilson from? So Damian Wilson was the vocalist with Threshold for a while. He's also done a couple of things with Headspace.
1: And a lot with Aria.
2: Um, Headspace is the band with Rick Wakeman's son on keyboard.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, Oliver
2: yep and they have some killer stuff.
1: yeah, I mean, I'll say that when I saw, when I saw that, this is what's going to get me to listen to more arena, yeah because I knew again, this is a common thread for me. this is my nexus point of he's been on a lot of Arian stuff, and right. I love his voice, and in fact, he's got a great voice. Fir- one of the first two uh voices I taught my daughter to recognize were his voice, and Annika von Heersbergens.
2: There are some new releases coming out now that I saw. New Steve Hackett. Yeah, new Steve Hackett. Um, I think it's a live Steve Hackett. It is. There is a live Flying Colors coming out. There is a live Camelot out, Tony, mm-hmm. Um called I Am the Empire.
1: Yep. Uh, that was recorded for for people that care about trivia. Um That was recorded at one of my favorite venues, the 013 in Tilburg.
2: Because that number is on the cover. I didn't know. Yeah,
1: that, that venue... Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite music venues ever. They have an amazing sound system and just the way the, um, the concert hall is set up is just an amazing, amazing place to see live music.
2: A couple of studio releases, John Petrucci's solo, Terminal Velocity. Yeah. Coming out soon. The Pineapple Thief is coming out with a new album, which I'm really psyched about. And new Neil Morse. And yeah. that's another one I think I'm over. You
0: can only listen to
2: that on Sundays. Yeah. While eating fish. Yeah. <laughs> That's right,
1: yeah, I don't know that yeah, I'm talking about ways I want to fix the mix, I'll just mute Neil Morse.
0: we're going to alienate every one of our listeners that loves vocalists
1: and and that's one thing, as I said in the intro, are always unvarnished opinions.
0: yeah, pretty much that's why you're here.
1: uh with that in mind, what uh, let's go ahead and go around the horn and talk about what we're listening to. so Craig, what are you listening to right now?
0: my uh a i influenced. Pandora Mix played a song recently for me called "Christo Redentor." It's a song that I know I've heard a zillion times, and I never knew the title of it. There's a ton of arrangements of it. It was on uh, Luke Cage on you know some uh, Fox TV show and some Marvel show Marvel show. It's a great song, so I've been listening to that over and over again because there's a bunch of different arrangements of it. There's one with uh, some blues guitar player. Uh, named Ronnie Earl, there's one with David Sanborn just playing some killer sax. Uh, great song. So it's one that everybody's heard. Uh, very enjoyable. And not prog at all.
1: Awesome. Yeah, mine aren't going to be prog at all either. What are you listening to, Lee?
2: Mine's prog. <laughs> Tonight I'm doing the new Haken. The new Haken is awesome.
1: And So this is virus. It's virus.
2: Virus and Vector, the last album in this one, are actually double albums. They've tied it all together in musical pieces and in the storyline. This is, in my opinion, the best work uh, Haken's done. I'll tell you that with the deluxe release, that I have the mix with the full band, and then I have the mix with just instrumentals. And I have been spending a lot of time with just the instrumentals. I Mm -hmm. love
1: those kinds of records. Those are amazing.
2: This is, to me, on a level of liquid tension experiment. So you're talking about the quality of the playing and the quality of the playing, the quality of the mix. You can hear a lot more of the keyboards Mm -hmm. um, in these, in the instrumental versions. In my mind, Haken has taken progmental and run way out in front of anybody else, including Caligula's horse, including dream theater, anybody. Wow. The last four albums have gotten progressively better with each release from the mountain to affinity to vector. Now to virus. Um, I'll warn the listeners that it's a better album in the prog metal vein because I know some of the people on the blogs have been lamenting that since uh, the early albums, like Aquarius, were more prog rock. And they are definitely going down a prog metal Mm -hmm. um, avenue now. And it's it's pedal to the metal full speed ahead. I cannot recommend this album highly enough.
1: I agree. And I want to say in full disclosure, I have really crapped on Haken in the past. I think musically, I'm still not there with the vocals. But one thing that really hit me the other day was I was reading an interview. Yeah. In the interview, they said that Virus and Vector are actually, they're everything Lee just said, but they're actually continuations of the story of the Cockroach King.
2: They are. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I
0: read that.
1: They, they created that storyline. And now this is like all concept stuff. And as soon as like yeah. I read that in the interview, I was like, all right, I'm sold. Like I, I'll figure out a way to get over the vocals.
2: The long piece on this album is called Messiah Complex. It's multi-movement. It's incredible. But one of the last movements is called Ectobius Rex, and Ectobius is Latin for cockroach. No. And they bring a lot of the cockroach king musical themes back in this movement.
0: Is there like a Franz Kafka thing going through this, or is that just coincidence? You're going to have to listen. I'll report back.
1: I read an uh, article recently where someone referred to them as, basically they said, Haken has taken the flag from Dream Theater. They are the standard bearer for all of prog now. Right.
2: Yes, I've I've been reading that as well. I completely agree with that comment.
1: So I am listening right now to one new thing, one old thing. One is the new Dark Sarah record entitled Grim. One thing that I really love about this band. So this is um, Heidi, from, formerly of Umberian Dawn, which is much more of a symphonic metal band. And the great thing about her is when she left Amberian Dawn and started doing her own thing, everything has been crowdfunded. And I think that, so she, this is her fourth crowdfunded record. I have backed all of them. They are all amazing. Uh, it, 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 full disclosure, they're all metal. Um, they're more symphonic metal. They're not really proggy at all, um, other than there's a very strong theme and a very strong concept. But I really want to highlight that for the listeners because this is one thing where we will talk about this a lot i think that crowdfunding and independent artists is going to fundamentally change what we get out of Prague and usher in a new era of Prague. Um, and then the other one that i've been listening to is just kind of an old like i don't know if you guys have records that no matter what you're listening to or how you're feeling rather you can go listen to this record and it just kind of resets the station kind of as it were and one of those records for me is a star one record so star one is the straight ahead metal project from Aryan Lucasen and the first record is entitled space metal and so every track every track is like themed after a different sci-fi property so there's like star trek the movie 4 and then there's uh the matrix theme and then there's a dune theme and then there's a stargate theme and and the this record is just one it's a uh, speaking of like Damian Wilson, like we were earlier, it's got Damian Wilson throughout the vocals and Russell Allen on this record. And it is just a great record. It's a fun record. It's not proggy at all. It's just a really great, fun metal record. And I love it. Cool. When we talk about prog, Lee, um, we've got to go back to the way back to understand where we are now. Um, kind of have to know what came before to know where things are now. And when we've talked in the past, you've, often mentioned the band Gentle Giant. And, you know, it's been enough that I picked up one of their records recently, and I know that they're a favorite of yours. Are they your favorite or just one of the favorites?
2: Oh, they're definitely one of the favorites.
1: Why don't you take us on a, on a discussion here about Gentle Giant?
2: For a moment, pretend you're Tony, and you're going to a concert with a couple of older guys, Lee and Craig, and you're going to see a modern band like a Leprous or Bentney or Spock's Beard. And at some point, the two older guys nod, and they look at each other, and they're like, Gentle Giant. There it is. Or um, the band breaks into an acapella piece, and they'll nod, and they'll go, Gentle Giant. I was even on a a review site the other day and in the Frameshift review there was mentions of Gentle Giant influence. If you go find an interview of Richard Henshaw of Haken, he will tell you that Gentle Giant is one of his influences.
0: you
2: You don't hear a lot about Gentle Giant in the same conversations you do ELP or Yes or Genesis or Rush or any of the things we're doing right now. What exactly did Gentle Giant bring to the prog genre, and why is it so influential still today? If you look at the albums that were being released at the time because their first album comes out in 1970. You see Let It Be, so, End of the Beatles, Band of Gypsies by Jimi Hendrix, so Hendrix is still around, Mm -hmm. Um, Adam Hart Mother by Pink Floyd, and I think that's an important one, which we will get to. In the prog genre, Benefit by Jethro Tull, the very first DLP album came out in 69, no, in 70. That's right, it is 70, the same year. But the first Yes album came out the year before. The first Genesis Mm -hmm. album came out the year before. And The Court of the Crimson King came out. Um, I've got 1960 written here, but that can't be right.
1: No, it's like 68, 69. Mm -hmm. I think it's 69.
2: And the very first Zappa album, Lumpy Gravy, came out in 67. So Gentle Giant appears at the same time a lot of these prog acts are getting started. The core of Gentle Giant is the three Showman brothers, Derek, uh, Phil, and Ray. And before this, they have been forming bands around Scotland and also Portsmouth. The band they put together that finally realizes a little success is a band called Simon Dupree and the Big Sound. And you can actually find a little bit of this on uh, YouTube, not or not a video, but you can at least hear a little bit of the music. Mm -hmm. And they found a little bit of commercial success, but very early on, uh, management really pushes them to kind of try to turn their music in a different direction, which is kind of psychedelia and eventually pop music. Really, And I think that plays into releases like Adam Hartmother, Mother. And, mm. you know, you get, man, or you get um, managers and producers that are kind of, let's follow the big money and you should turn your mm-hmm. music in this direction. Mm-hmm. They get very disillusioned, very unhappy with that direction, and they dissolve the band. And literally right there, resolve to put together a band that is experimental, Hmm. that they can go off and do the kind of music they want to, and that is the band that becomes Gentle Giant. That theme will follow this band really throughout their whole careers. That theme being the experimental or? Being that push and pull between uh, being a purely creative artist and writing and recording exactly what you want to do we're in it for the art we're in it for the art versus keeping food on the table and money in our pockets Hmm. you know very practical difference Uh, read a lot of interviews with Derek Shulman who said it was a constant battle
1: this kind of whole man like the business side of music is really interesting to me and yes and I'm wondering if that's what he was referring to there because I definitely understand the the artistic push and pull between like you need to make a hit record versus I want to have artistic integrity. But now I'm thinking there's another component of, well, I'm actually going to make more money if I'm exciting at my show versus I don't care if it's exciting on a record.
2: You know, I certainly couldn't put any words in his mouth. Right. I definitely get the feeling from watching them live and reading some of the interviews, Mm -hmm. but um, Ray Shulman definitely had a little more of a bitter edge to You know, kind of what they forced us to do and which were the, especially the later albums that you can read in some of these interviews.
0: I'm trying to remember, was Ray the front man?
2: Ray's the bass player. Ray has a beautiful voice. You're going to hear it in a couple of clips. Okay. Derek was the front man. They are all very much multi-instrumentalists, all of them, not just the Shulman brothers. And Phil Shulman stays for, I think, three or four albums and then leaves. Um, He manages the band for a while, but goes on and does other things. Um, but really where they uh, gain steam and kind of get going is with the addition of Gary Green on guitar, Kerry Minier on keyboards.
0: Uh, hero. That dude is amazing. Yeah.
2: For a very brief time, Malcolm Mortimer replaces Martin Smith, but quickly they find John Weathers on drums and that becomes the core lineup of Gentle Giant through the rest of their career. But they are literally multi-instrumentalists. So Carrie Minier plays, just as an example cello, drums, guitar, bass, recorder, vibraphone, uh, theremin, and timpani. i I toss theremin out because I think anybody can play theremin, but...
0: Not well. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but can, can they do it well?
2: <laughs> First album is the Gentle Giant album. A um, little bit of a gritty album. I think they're kind of coming to their sound. That still has Martin Smith on drums and um, doesn't really have the Gentle Giant sound gelled. But there are still notable pieces that come from this time period.
1: What do you mean by gritty?
2: Um, if you listen to it, uh, so first of all, this, is, this had to be recorded in like 69. Uh, definitely, you know, analog old recordings. You can hear a lot mm. of 60 cycle hum on it. You know, you can mm. hear a lot of that kind of stuff. So you mean
1: like a physically gritty, not like musically gritty?
2: Um, thanks for clarifying that. Yes, very um technically gritty it's just not a very clean recorded album so
0: musically was did it have a that heavy kind of medieval sort of
2: um it's just beginning and so for an example this is a song off the first album called peel the paint Baroque, no, not yet. Nope. But you can really get that feeling of, like, counterpoint, very odd uh, key signatures. That's Derek Shulman as the front man singing, and and that will sort of become the Gentle Giant sound as they move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things they wrote on the inside of Acquiring the Taste, the second album, our goal is to expand the frontiers of contemporary popular music at the risk of becoming very unpopular. Love it. And Craig wrote in the notes, it sounds like something Zappa would say and probably did. And I think that quote kind of says it all about where their direction went.
1: And so at this point, I mean, were they already, we talked about that pressure from labels, They were right? with three
2: labels over 10 albums. Wow. Now that right there, I think, is at least a struggle to get your head above water. Mm-hmm. They were with Vertigo Records then WWA for Worldwide Associates, but that folds rather quickly within the first two years of its founding and eventually end up with Chrysalis for their last
1: albums. If there's a problem, and I put that in air quotes, with having three labels over 10 records, is the problem really with General Giant, or is it that the labels don't know what to do with them?
2: One of the key things I'll bring up here is that uh, with WWA, that... Uh, production company only had a handful of bands and one of them was black sabbath and so in their genius they said Mm -hmm. well we have gentle giant we have black sabbath let's let's put them together on a tour
0: (laughs) who who opened for who that's the real question
2: yeah gentle giant opened for black sabbath and they were literally booed off the stage in places i can absolutely believe Mm -hmm. that and that's Mm -hmm. and so i think one of the things you can infer very quickly on is, in some cases, there is clearly management that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing with these bands.
0: You know, you yeah. just wonder why they sign them in the first place.
2: Like, you wonder if they even listen to an album, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Why? how'd they get the gig? You know, it's really hard to think of two bands that are more diametrically opposed in their sound than... Black Sabbath, and Gentle Giant.
1: Yeah, it, that's confusing to me too because it sounds like, I mean, it just seems to me logically, I'm not a, in the A&R business, but it seems to me that if you're going to sign a band, you need to know, you have to have some kind of resonance with that band and their sound because you have to publish and promote them. Yes. Yeah. And And you would want to promote something you're comfortable with so that you can do it successfully and make money at it.
2: You should have a plan. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why it's so good in prog right now i think is because a lot of that is gone now like you brought up this before tony that a lot of people are Mm self-promoting crowdfunding literally they're either doing their own direction or they're finding people with like minds that will manage them in a similar direction i think that's one of the big reasons why Prague has sort of um hit a resurgence at least in my opinion
1: Uh, that may be okay and so I, I, one thing I also, I, I know a little bit about General Giant here um, is that all this time when we're talking about this in this tour they did with Sabbath and whatever, like that's all Europe. They weren't coming to North America, right?
2: As near as I can tell from my research, their first North American tour appears to start in August of 1972. But over the course of their career, they do come back several times. To go back and wrap that up, so that song that I played you was Peel the Paint off the first album. When Craig and I were on the last Cruise to the Edge, Haken does a big set with a number of different guest musicians. It's a tribute set to all the bands that influenced them. And one of the songs they play is Peel the Paint by Gentle Giant. And judging from the reaction around me, most people didn't even know who that song was by. Okay, so we hit, after those first three albums, we hit the next four albums. To me, these four albums are the peak of Gentle Giants' creativity. They are consistent. They've really hit their stride and their style just continues to grow stronger and stronger with each release. Brilliant. Really? It's wonderful. And the first album is Octopus. And I think this is a great album. They, uh, you know what? Instead of me babbling, I'm just going to play something off Octopus. Play a track. I'm going to play a song called The Advent of Panurge. And this is one of my favorite Gentle Giant songs of all time
0: You know, um, in listening to that, that little trumpet thing there, that sounded kind of Zappa.
2: A lot of this kind of has a little Zappa feel to it. I don't think there's any accident. Yeah. I wonder who influenced whom. Actually, there is an interview with Frank Zappa. I'll find it where um, somebody asks him, you know, what are you listening to? Mm -hmm. And he says, "Ah, most of the stuff out there is garbage right now. But there's this really interesting band I've been listening to called Gentle Giant. No kidding.
1: Wow. Nice.
2: Huh. That song is called The Advent of Panurge. Panurge is uh from a French author, François Rabelais. His writings go back to the 16th century with characters like Pantagruel, Panurge and Gargantua. And those characters show up in multiple Gentle Giant lyrics. Hmm. Um Octopus is the artwork was done by Roger Dean, as Craig pointed out. I didn't even know that before. There you go. And then uh there are concept albums in this period as well. Uh what comes one of the ones that comes out of this is The Power and the Glory. And it is an album about a king and how power has gone to his head. Now, does that sound like something that's applicable to today to you? That is. <laughs> so not
1: relevant today. I have, I have no idea. What, what are you talking about, Lee? Yeah, I
2: just yeah, can't, I can't imagine. relate.
1: I just can't relate.
2: This, one of the songs on the album, Proclamation, is literally the guy, the king, standing up in front of the subjects and talking about everything you've gotten you've gotten from me and should I really hand my power back? And it's a very, very interesting album and I think very current uh, with what's going on today. Uh, One of the songs off of that I love is called Playing the Game.
0: So I, I don't want to get ahead of it, but are these the Steve Wilson remixes?
2: Yes, the clips from Octopus and from The Power and the Glory are the new Steven uh Wilson remixes. I
0: was gonna say, because I have this album and that sounds that sounds so
2: much better. It does sound better. And a matter of fact, I wanted to put a disclaimer way at the beginning. I'll do it now. For our listeners, um, one thing we really like to do in this show is to play clips. We think it's one of the things that really sets us us apart from any other prog shows you might hear out there? Why are you listening to other prog shows? <laughs> you
1: no, know, listen to a lot of prog shows because that'll just re- remind you of why you like this show. Oh,
2: true. Good point. But one thing I wanted to say about this particular episode is some of these albums are so old that um, I went through before I put these together and actually normalized the track. So you might hear a little more extra noise, a little more extra hiss or 60 Cycle hum, or something. You know, remember, these are being recorded in 19, early 1970. But while we're stopped here, let's talk a little bit about the style, because this style goes through all of their material, and this is really what the Gentle Giant sound is. So a whole lot of vocals, everyone in the band sang, and not just a cappella, but voices in the round. So one voice starts, another voice comes in, another voice after that, basically doing counterpoint. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of bands that uh, will do that today. Spoxbeard does it. Haken does it. And then the other thing I'll say is, Kerry uh, Minnier, he is one of my keyboard heroes. Really, he's probably one of the top five influences I had as a kid. Kerry Minnier came from the Royal College of Music and has a lot of classical influence and was able to bring that Baroque style Forward into a modern music band, and I thought that was very unique. No one else was doing that. His writing and playing style really forced me to rethink the more traditional piano hand roles where left hand is just playing a bass line, right hand is playing chords and maybe melody, to really think of them as equal and could both carry counterpoint and melody. You know, there's one thing about studying counterpoint in in music theory it's a whole nother thing to bring that forward into a modern day piece of music.
1: And, you know, I think that's one of the things like I hear so much, obviously I have a a much more modern uh, perspective on things, but a lot of the bands that I like, they just will randomly break into different styles and they'll just have all these other, like these different components. It's not just, and I, I mean, obviously if you're listening to a prog podcast, you know, and appreciate this, it's not just like four, four verse chorus, verse chorus. It's, a lot of different time signatures, tonality, instrumentation. And, you know, we're hearing that early in general Giant, and that really hasn't changed in, in this genre. Like, everyone does that to some some degree or another. And um, I really appreciate that. And I just take it for granted, right? Like, I think if my wife were to listen to this music, she'd, she'd be totally discombobulated and couldn't get her bearings. She'd be like, why, where did that come from? Where did that horn come from? And why is there a xylophone now? And for me, I'm just like, that's the art. That's just what it is.
2: We were having that text discussion, style versus substance. I think this is one of the bands where you can say style was consistent, at least up until the last albums. And we'll get to that. But they also brought the substance at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the four albums that I think are right in the center are Octopus, In a Glass House, The Power and the Glory, and Freehand.
0: Is that the one with the sound of a coin dropping and uh it takes forever for it to stop spinning on the table? <laughs>
2: No, that song is The Boys in the Band from Octopus. Wow. The album Freehand um, influences a lot of people. I think it's Jordan Rudis' fifth solo album, The Road Home. It's a tribute album, and he does copy tunes of a lot of bands that influenced him. He does Dance on a Volcano by Genesis. He does Sound Chaser by Yes from the Relayer album. He does an incredible version of Tarkus. If you're a Keith Emerson fan, go pick that up. But he also does Just the Same by Gentle Giant. Albums that I think are very notable. One is Interview, which is uh, still a studio album. And then they come back and do a live double album called Playing the Fool. And I don't normally like live albums. I'm not a big live album fan. But this live album is jaw dropping. Some of it sounds like it was done in a studio. That's how tight they were. And I saw them three times. The first concert I saw was Playing the Fool. But they literally would drop instruments after a song. Everybody would get up and switch instruments and take off on another song. Or they would all come out front and pick up a mandolin, a vibraphone, a violin, and do an acapella piece while they were playing live. One of the songs on the album even features three of them playing a recorder ensemble, the, the lute-like you know woodwind recorders, and incredibly tight stuff. And the song I want to play for you now is off of that live album called Knots. And Knots is one of the best songs on Octopus. It's Derek Shulman's favorite song that General Giant never did. But this is them doing it live. Tell me,
0: old man. In oh, 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 each man oh,
1: she can see, she can see, she can't see, see, she can't uh, see whatever, whatever. You may know what you I don't know, but I don't know what I, 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 I really can can't tell, tell me, you, so you will have to tell me all. Oh. Mm, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I walked out of that concert. I had to go play at a bar that night at 2 a.m. We were doing an audition and I walked out of that concert with Steve, uh, one of my best friends. And I literally sat in the car. Like I can't go play tonight after watching that. Like I'm going to get up and go play, you know, ACDC or, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, deep purple, whatever. After watching that, I just can't do it. Isn't that wonderful. I was just stunned. And they were literally singing with instruments like under their jaw. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. And the other one that um that is in this period is Interview. And Interview is an interesting album because it's a concept album. There's a few concept albums that come out mm-hmm. during Gentle Giant, but this one is actually meant to represent being the band being interviewed while they're playing. So you'll literally hear them in the studio playing a song, and then you'll hear like a door open and shut, and then a person walking down the hall mumbling, and then they sit down with a reporter and they will interview one of like Derek or Ray. And the whole thing was scripted, but it was an incredible album. I I knew a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought it was just fantastic the way they they pulled it off.
1: You know what what really resonates with me, and I think this is actually what really resonates with me about concept records in general is that you have to have a focus and a vision for an entire album. You are making an art piece. You're not making a track that's four to eight minutes long. You're making a big thing and so you have to be a 110 committed to your vision for this thing otherwise it's just gonna fall apart
2: Mm -hmm. so we've gone through kind of the meat of gentle giant and unfortunately at this point um i think a lot of tension comes to the forefront with this band i found an interview with ray shulman who said unfortunately as the band goes on and you start to do kind of well The pressure obviously came from record companies and managers to do better. That always meant soften things up and not be so experimental. Mm. In retrospect, obviously you do at the time whatever you can to survive. Certainly there were compromises made. As it got on towards the end of Gentle Giant, it got much more to do with commercial business. It was very tense and a lot of friction was caused because the energy seemed to be going in the wrong direction. And these last three albums are The Missing Piece, Giant for a Day, and Civilian. And my own experience with this is you can definitely hear Gentle Giant is trying to be stylistically a little bit something else. Uh, the Missing Piece, in my opinion, is, tries to straddle that line between a little more hit writing, a little more different sound, and their unique stylistic signature. But it's still a great album to me. Um, I knew a lot of Gentle Giant people that hated this album. I love that album. But I really tried to approach it from just a listening standpoint. And it's got very good music in here.
0: Memories of Old Days is such a great Memories track.
2: of Old Days, As Old As You're Young. Mm-hmm. I, I sat there and picked As Old As You're Young apart, so I could learn how to play it on a piano. Because Oh, no kidding. Because it, it was such a great clavinet line. But the one I'm going to play for you here is a song called For Nobody. Everyone ah, you still get the same you know great acapella lines but you can tell you know heavy drums mm-hmm. heavy bottom end a lot of production
1: a lot of production yeah
2: yeah lots of production even new things like flanging that you haven't heard in previous albums but it's a great album i love this album uh, two weeks in spain is great. Uh turn it around. Every song's great. Yeah. Um, Bet You Thought I mean you I can just name song after song on this. But they are really falling apart as a band. The last time I saw them was in a club in Dallas playing Civilian, which is the last album. Mm-hmm. And you could tell they were done. Yeah. Um at times like Derek would just like stop singing and didn't look like he was drunk or anything. It just looked like <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? And nobody like looked around to see what the hell was going on. It was really, really sad between the first concert, which was just unbelievable, and just to see him at the end like, We just want to get home.
0: Yeah, I saw that tour too and um saw the one right before it. And yeah, there was markedly different. Uh he just he actually didn't even look very healthy.
2: No. I, I agree. Really
0: good seats. You we were right up front and it's like he was uh, just not moving around. His Yeah, you could tell his heart wasn't in it.
2: The very last album is Civilian. Um, and again, the friends that I knew that were gentle giant purists just loathed this album. But I actually think this is a great album. Um, if you take it just for straight rock and roll, um, it's hard to compare anybody else at the same time was doing anything similar. Um, there's great songs on this piece. And the one I'm going to play for you is a song called number one another song I learned and played in a band so restrained compared to what they could do. Yeah. It's a very, very different sound. It's very clear.
1: In the early gentle giant, it's almost like everyone including the drummer and the bass player came to a jam session and they're all just kind of like doing their own things. And it's kind of, it almost feels like musical improv and we're all just kind of like doing a thing and inserting our thing at the right time. Mm -hmm. But here, on both For Nobody and number one, you have drums and bass filling their normal rock and roll roll, right? Where they're like... It's very traditional. It's very traditional drum line, very traditional bass line. And then you just do a shit ton of production on top of it. Yeah. And then it sounds like a rock song. It is a
0: rock song. The The only thing different is just the melody is kind of Gentle Giant flavored melody, but that's about
1: it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Ray Shulman said of the early part of Gentle Giant, Carrie brought us a credo of whatever we want to do. Let's just do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, so, you know, so what you heard, I think is exactly the way they approached it. You know, yeah. Like that'll be fun. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Until they
1: got to the end of it. It's like musical. Yes. ending. that's exactly <laughs> what early General giant was.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I've got a, uh, a double CD I got from Rasputin a couple of years ago. That's all outtakes and demos. And it's like just two two hours of that. And it's just so cool to listen to because it's just like little snippets of stuff that you know is going to turn into Gentle Giant songs. Because some of it you recognize. I really
2: want to hear that. Okay, I'll I'll, uh, share it. So Gentle Giant ends. um, They started in 1970 with their first album. In 10 years, they produced 10 albums or 10 studio albums and one live album. And since then, there have been Gentle Giant bootlegs, there's been other mixes. I mean, as Craig pointed out that Steve Wilson has turned around and remixed a bunch of them. Uh, Tony, Huge sent that link today that, mm-hmm. I think it's called A Three-Piece Suite. Yep. And um, it's Stephen Wilson remixing three other albums, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this band has really enjoyed uh, Resurgence, a bit of a resurgence lately. One example is Noah Showman, the uh, son of Derek, decided to organize a bunch of different musicians in their home studio doing a version of proclamations. So right. uh, this has become very popular on YouTube lately, and it has a lot of different guest musicians. I think Steve Hackett shows up on it. Rachel Flowers is on it. Lots of different people and including uh, the original five gentle giant guys appear uh, doing pieces of proclamation as well. So, um, and it's, Amazing.
1: It is awesome.
2: It gives you goosebumps. It's goosebump, goosebumps.
1: And you know what what really resonated with me is like I'm not as versed in General Giant as you guys. I mean, I've I've listened to some because of our conversations and stuff. I hadn't heard proclamation before. I was just listening to it. I was like, that album, like that track could come out right now and I'd be totally fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was 40 or 50. It years ages old. As like, well. it, yeah.
2: It does. And it is so hard to sit down and figure that. A tuneout. That's such a complicated song.
0: It's amazing that they only did ten albums over ten years, and the influence that they had is—it's incredible. I mean, yeah. it just spawns. It basically an entire genre, all refers back to it as being an influence. Yep.
1: Yeah, and you know what I—I I come back to is this is one of those things that you know when we've had conversations about this previously, it comes up a lot. Is that that push-pull between the labels or the producing people versus the artists and then we hear we hear that both in the quotes that Lee has uh, but from the band members as well as we hear it in the sound that actually changed and one has to wonder like what would have gentle giant become if they had continued i put that in context of conversations we've had Around bands like Genesis, who were going through a similar kind of existential thing at the same time. Different reasons. But like if Gentle Giant had continued into the 80s and the proggy version of Genesis that didn't care that they can't dance <laughs> had continued into the 80s, like where what would have happened in the 80s to Prague? It's like so interesting to me. Um, would we have in the late 80s had the prog metal thing happen or not. I mean, it's like all kinds of like, there are all these butterfly effects.
0: I, I look at King Crimson. Yeah. Right. Aside from like every other prog band, I feel like they're the ones that managed to be true to it and continue on, continue to do new music, change as needed. Um, but everybody else, you know, I mean, look at some of the stuff that Yes does. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's commercial. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not even new. It's just reap tread um genesis when did we me started?
1: you know thanks to you i have drawn a line in the sand right cuz like i kind of was aware of the phil collins genesis uh-huh. um, the poppy genesis and after, and but i never listened to it and so when poppy we were, is
0: is a good word choice yeah it is and i'd use a different one perhaps go on
1: so in my mind i have drawn a line in the sand of like i will listen to genesis from this point to this point and then it stops
2: you can i give you permission to listen to wind and mothering
1: okay thank you
2: I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I actually introduce people to Spock's beard by saying if gentle giant had continued on, it would have become Spock's beard.
1: Wow. That's That's an interesting statement.
2: And that's just my opinion. I mean, people would disagree with that. But there is so much that um, Spock's beard does that reminds me of a modern gentle giant. Interesting. Interesting. So Carrie becomes Rio. (laughs) (laughs) Kerry was not
0: doing handstands on his keyboard. That's yeah, wearing a blue cape and all that kind of shit.
1: Nice. Yeah. So, d- Lee, do you have any final words on General Giant?
2: Um, you know, at this point, the way we're talking about it, it really makes me melancholy, but I cuz I remember just how influential it was at the time, at least to a the group of, the circle of friends that I was in. We all just watched everything they did with I mean, I caught him in Octopus and then I had to back up, but Um, But I watched them through Octopus, The Power and the Glory, Freehand, and just everything that came out that we did, we couldn't wait for the next album. right? And then to watch um, it kind of all fall apart with The Missing Piece. Not so much Missing Piece, but certainly Civilian. Um, It's hard to deny they were just absolutely falling apart, even though I still think that's a good album. I mean, people, we got into fights about it. I mean, this (laughs) is the kind of level fights of like, Pink Floyd with Roger Waters or without Roger Waters, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. You know, Marillion with fish, Marillion without
1: fish. Marillion with fish. Without. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so I, we were like, there were, you know, after a few beers, of course, mm-hmm. there were knockdown dragouts about, you know, civilian. And it's, it's just sad to me. It's just really sad to me uh, people that were that talented. And that's kind of the way it has to come to an end. So, yeah. But I am glad at, you know, the way we started this, I'm glad where Prague is now because I'm glad for the independence. I am glad for labels like Inside Out and Roadrunner Records and those, yeah. you know, that encourage this kind of thing. I am glad to see that in Europe there is enough musical freedom to support this kind of thing. So yeah, And to wrap this whole discussion up, Derek Shulman ends up working for the music industry, a little bit of a twist and eventually becomes president and CEO of Atco Records, signs a number of very successful bands, including Dream Theater. <laughs> ah, Mike
1: drop. And it all comes full circle. So you guys out there listening, uh, why don't you hit us up on Twitter? Let us know what your favorite memories or tracks from General Giant are. Send us an email at up3show at gmail.com uh, or catch us on Twitter at, at up3show. Just let us know what you think of General Giant. What kind of influence do you think that it had? I love talking about gentle giant. I, I just, cool. I learn so much every time I talk to you guys, because that was obviously I'm the younger guy. I was born in 1980. Right. They were ending when I was starting. Um, so m- maybe that's why they had to end because I needed to come into the world. Um, we're listening
0: to General giant. You're watching saved by the bell.
1: No, but it's funny that you mentioned that because my <laughs> wife was mentioning saved by the bell today. And I was like, Oh my God, no. So as, as we close out here tonight, um, well, let's, let's do a round of recommendations. Lee, what, what kind of recommendations do you have for people, whether it's Gentle Giant or otherwise?
2: If you're going to jump into Gentle Giant, I recommend you uh, go right to the core. Start with Octopus. Uh, there are so many great songs on that album, and it is just such a strong album. So go right to that.
1: Awesome. Uh, Craig, do you have any recommendations for us? I'm going to say The Missing
0: Piece. And I'm going to say it because it's pretty accessible. Um, it does really kind of uh, straddle the line of a lot of production, but still being true to the Gentle Giant vision. It was my first album. And it really kind of pulled me in and made me want more. Because pe- I'm want i on a mission. I want people to like The Missing Piece. I feel like it's a good album. It's, uh, it's, as, it's as little of a compromise as possible. Um, and then all the old ones are going to just be like filling in they're going to be like spackle, you know, they'll just fill in all the little missing pieces as, as it were.
2: It's a great, album. great
1: album. Nice. Do you have anything non general giant to recommend to people?
2: Yeah, I, um, this is going to be part two of a two parter. Um, so in another episode, I recommended, uh, this independent drummer called mm Nillis. Mm-hmm. The other person that does a lot of the same kind of thing is, uh, one of these YouTube personalities as a woman called Metal Cohen.
1: Mm, I thought I thought you were going to say Metal.
2: She's done a lot of copy uh like this is Metal playing uh Dream Theater or Tool or whatever. But um she also has her own own band and the band also has Ra as the lead singer. Hmm. Who I think is one of the best lead singers out there. So uh go to YouTube and go look up a couple of different songs. Um there's a song called Armalite, a little more Metal than it is prog metal, but it's got a little prog in it. Or uh, look up a song called "Breathe." Either one of them are great. Um, but give that band a little airplay.
1: Awesome, Craig. What are you recommending to people that is not the Gentle Giant stuff?
0: Uh, well, my recommendation is so not Gentle Giant it's going to be ridiculous. But I'm going to recommend Professor Longhair, which has nothing to do with prog rock. But I've been—I was telling you guys—I'm uh, kind of in this boogie woogie uh, phase right now. And uh, I've been listening to a lot of Professor Longhair and Dr. John.
2: Oh, Dr. John, wow.
0: Dr. John, yeah, because it's it's like solo piano that is so tasty. And uh, so, um, you know, compared to like jazz piano, which is can be out there, um, boogie woogie and uh, New Orleans piano, which is kind of boogie woogie, but doesn't swing as much, uh, is so accessible and it just makes you smile.
1: And so I think I will, my recommendation for everyone is Eric Norlander, and I'm going to specifically uh, recommend his album Seas of Orion. It is a very ambient record. It's very soundscape is the word that we came up with. Everything on that, especially the, the title track Seas of Orion, is just 18 minutes of just floating in space, and it's awesome. I can't recommend it highly enough. And that comes from our conversation about talking about Rick Wakeman. I think that that we're going to have the Red Planet be a very similar kind of vibe. And I think that that's just as much prog as anything Mm -hmm. else. Cool. So anything else before we close it out here, guys, that you want to make sure the audience hears?
2: Keep coming back. We would like to hear from you on independent bands that you'd like us to promote. If you are an independent band, we'd like to hear from you and about you. Absolutely.
1: And if you, if you are an independent band and you'd like to get some, some play and we'd like to talk to you, find out what your story is about, maybe have you on the show, uh, definitely reach out to us. As always, don't forget that you can find us on Twitter at UP3Show or you can contact us via email at UP3Show at gmail.com. As I mentioned. If you can't get enough of us, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. This makes sure that you never miss an episode and it helps push us up towards the top of the recommendations. So thank you guys very much and have a great rest of your day. Hey, folks, Tony here. If you made it this far, congratulations. You're getting every ounce you can out of this podcast episode. As a reminder, we are a podcast about commentary and opinion on prog music. We use samples of music to make our point and to teach others. We are in no way claiming the copyright of any music found in our samples and strongly recommend that you support these artists by buying their material or seeing them live. If you're an artist and you'd like for us to change how we've used your content on the show, please contact us directly so that we can work together. Thanks, guys.